Listener production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilly and Katrina Blowers with you. Katrina, do you think it's fair that only women take the contraceptive pill? Uh, no, it's annoying. It messes with your body for some women anyway. And it's about time that there's something more than condoms and vasectomies for men to bring to the table when it comes to mm. contraception. Yeah, well, we're getting into this today. Um, we're looking at why researchers think they're the closest we've ever been to developing a male contraceptive pill. Essentially, the principle which we are studying would be that a man takes a pill 13 minutes before and then would be protected for the next uh, 6 to 12 hours. The male contraceptive pill, how it could work and when it could finally be on the market. That is our briefing coming up right after the big news of the day. It is Monday the 20th of March. Victoria is considering banning the Nazi salute after white supremacists performed the gesture at a protest in Melbourne over the weekend. So around 30 men from the National Socialist Movement marched at an anti-transgender rights rally in front of the Victorian State Parliament on Saturday. Uh, The Premier, Daniel Andrews, has said the human rights of trans people are non-negotiable and that Nazis aren't welcome. So it's a bit of a... um, a strange situation, Tom, in Victoria, where displaying the swastika or any kind of Nazi mm. symbolism is against the law, but the Nazi salute is legal. So that's why they're having this discussion about whether that should be banned as well. Yeah, they were pretty horrific scenes. Um, there's also question marks over a Liberal MP who was at the protest. It's not suggested she was standing with the neo-Nazis, but um, there are questions why she was at an anti-trans rally. You could say a lot about life at sea, but the stories worth telling aren't always the biggest. Yeah, so that is the sound of a new defence recruitment ad aimed at recruiting hundreds more people into, you guessed it, the Navy. Um, interesting timing, Katrina. Yeah, this ad is so well made. It's very inspiring. There's lots of, you know, nice sunrise and sunset shots out at sea and lots of people blowing things up. Um, I got to tell you, if you're, a, you know, a, a young kid who didn't know what to do with their lives or, or anyone really who's looking for a career change, this could be the thing that tips you into joining the Navy. It's, um, it's rousing stuff. Yeah, well, it comes right after the big announcement about nuclear subs, um, which now could cost us up to $368 billion. And I guess how you respond to that ad, Katrina, could reflect um, how likely it is we might end up in a war with China. And the Defence Minister was asked about that yesterday on the ABC. Has Australia given the United States any sort of commitment uh, explicitly, implicitly, that we will be there in the event of a conflict over Taiwan? Of course not. Uh, and nor was one sought. Yeah, so they're all very valid questions off the back of a, a huge commitment to spending on submarines. 
Donald Trump claims he is going to be arrested this Tuesday and he's calling on his supporters to protest. He's written these claims on his social media platform, Truth Social, over the weekend. Uh, he claims he's going to be indicted by a New York grand jury. This is over hush money being paid to former porn star Stormy Daniels, who he's alleged to have had an affair with before he was elected president in 2016. I guess what's worrying a lot of people, in particular former Speaker mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi has been talking about this is that uh, on this particular post he wrote protest take our nation back and it's considered quite dangerous language given what happened uh, with the Capitol riots and the language that he used before that which really whipped uh, protesters up. Yeah it is concerning it's very dramatic as well it's very Donald Trump I guess the difference might be now two years later that he has a much smaller number of, of supporters and hopefully people have learned the lessons from the Capitol riots and no one takes him seriously. And Vladimir Putin has made a surprise visit to the Ukrainian city of Mariupol in defiance of an arrest warrant um, from the International Criminal Court. So on Friday, the International Criminal Court issued a warrant for the illegal deportation of Ukrainian children from Russia. But Katrina, that didn't stop him travelling to Mariupol. Yeah, I I guess I've been looking into what this actually means. So, you know, whether or not this will ever be enforced and he will ever be tried for war crimes, seemingly not. I guess it depends where he travels, Mm. if he comes to Britain or, you know, Australia, the US, perhaps he could. Um, But where will he go? I mean, he's been to China over the last couple of years uh, and that's not a signatory to the ICC. Uh, Neither, it seems, is, is Ukraine or at least where he went, which was occupied territory. And big news in world banking, Switzerland's biggest bank, UBS, is in emergency talks to take over the country's second biggest bank, Credit Suisse. So, Credit Suisse is in really big trouble and they're working on an emergency deal. So normally two big banks merging like this um, would take months and months. But this deal's being hammered out over the weekend. Different financial media reports are saying that initially there was a $1 billion offer, which has been doubled to $2 billion, but that's way below what it was valued on the stock market. So um, it looks like they're really clamouring to get this deal done quickly so that there can be stability in the banking market after all the instability last week. Yeah, and all those fears, I guess, that that any further banking collapses could trigger another GFC, which is Mm. something no one wants right now. All right, in just a moment, a very interesting chat about a potential male contraceptive pill. So I guess over the years that I've been a journalist, Tom, I have reported on a lot of studies that have promised medical breakthroughs in so many different areas. But when I heard this latest one about one of the most promising bits of research yet on developing a male contraceptive pill, I've got to tell you, my ears pricked up. And I think that's because I just know for so many women taking the pill, it is such a burden, not just because you've got to remember to take it every day, but it can give you some really hectic yeah. side effects because it is hormonally based. There is this new method that's being trialled by researchers and that was announced back in February. And this is for men. It is not hormonally based. It is something that effectively freezes the sperm in its tracks. 
Yeah, it stops the sperm from flowing for a limited time. So it's 90% successful for the first three hours in stopping the flow, but then it gradually wears off over 24 hours. So that's why it's a temporary measure rather than having to take it all the time and stop the flow of sperm continuously. So that's what's appealing about it. And yeah, as you say, it, it does seem really unfair that it's women that do all the heavy lifting on contraceptives apart from condoms. Yeah, I guess, you know, it floors me that in 2023, we still have no viable option given there are 16 different kinds of contraception Mm. on the market for women. Mm. So let's find out a bit more about this research and I guess how far away it is from becoming a product on the shelf. Joining us on the briefing are the two professors behind the study, Lonnie Levin and Jochen Buckend from Weill Cornell's Graduate School of Medical Science. Thank you so much for joining us on The Briefing. Before we get right into your research, we want to ask you, how much interest do you think there is in finding a male-based contraceptive solution? I mean, is the fact that we don't already have one, is it because it's very difficult on a scientific level or is there a lack of will to find a solution? So until recently, it could have been both answers because pharma left the field about 15 years ago. So that would mean that there isn't that much funding. But to be fair, the US NIH and and other um, nonprofits have been funding the research in the background all these years. And just recently, there's a Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funded study, which actually asked the precise question you're asking, is there demand around the world for a male contraceptive? And the answer was overwhelmingly yes. It is true that it's more difficult. You have to always remember that the person who's taking a contraceptive is a healthy person. It's not like curing a disease where you're willing to put up with certain side effects. Healthy people take contraceptives. And the female hormonal pill notwithstanding, people are going to be very reluctant to adhere to taking a contraceptive if there are side effects. And the feeling has always been that men were less likely than even what females put up with. Right. Why is that? So it's because men don't face the health risk of a pregnancy. And the other thing is that the uh, female hormonal pill was developed 60 years ago. And essentially, if this would come today to uh, a drug with the side effects the female pill has uh, for approval, it would not be approved by the different health agencies in the world because it has too many side effects. You were saying before that there was a feeling that men just weren't really interested in in taking a pill or interested in exploring this possibility. And now there's some new research out by Bill and Melinda Gates. Why do you think there's been this shift to discover more? Why now? Why has this issue come to the forefront now? So most of the other methods in development have been methods for blocking sperm development. So For a sperm, from from the stem cell to the sperm cell takes like two months. And so men are expected to take a drug and keep it on board, keep it in their body for those two months until sperm stops being made until they go down to zero sperm. And they would have to keep making it. One of the ideas that there was, at least in our approach, where it's an on-demand approach, where we 
block sperm from swimming. So a man takes a pill on demand, meaning only when they need it and as often as they need it, and the sperm temp are temporarily blocked from swimming. So the idea that there is not something you're taking all the time and the idea that you don't have a drug in your system 24-7, even when you're not, when you don't need it, when you don't need contraception, men would, in other methods, would still have this drug on board. So is the idea that you would just tank it before you anticipate having sex? Yes. Essentially, the principle which we are studying would be that a man takes a pill 13 minutes before and then would be protected for the next uh, 6 to 12 hours. Some of the things that have come up in our research, quest people have questioned us about whether women would trust men mm. to take a contraceptive. Well, with this approach, the way Jochen just described it, the man's going to take the pill 30 minutes before the act. That's going to be in the presence of the woman. There's going to be a shared responsibility here where the man's going to take this pill with the woman there. And she's going to see him taking the pill. And so there's a whole host of social implications of that where there's a consent issue, there's a shared responsibility issue, and there's a trust issue. Well, there's a trust issue the other way around as well. So, I mean, that sort Absolutely. of equals out. Have you been able to measure how much downside risk there is for men taking this contraceptive? So far, it's only been in mice. And in the mice we've treated, we haven't seen any other side effects. The ejaculation's normal. The sperm leave are ejaculated into the female mouse as they should be. They just don't move. And the mice have a total regular sexual behavior. We essentially cannot distinguish the male mice with drug from the mice which did not get the drug. And then we did an experiment where we gave drug over a couple, over six weeks, a constant amount, just to see, because in theory, men wouldn't be doing this just once. They'd be doing it repeatedly. Mm. Now, men would never have it all the time, right? They would never be taking it seven days a week. But we did that as sort of a fail-safe, and we saw nothing wrong with the mice. Mm. Now, to be fair, mice aren't people, and we're going to have to do clinical trials and have regulatory approval, both in the U.S. and around the world, where we go to regulatory agencies. Safety is going to be the big thing. So you've tested it on mice. I, I'm, my mind is still blown that you're watching mice ejaculate, by the way, but we, we don't have to go there. <laughs> Um, where do you go from here? Will you be testing on humans next? We are nearly done with the second animal model. You always need to prove a principle like this in two different animal models. And the animal we're choosing is rabbits. And in okay. fact, it is true that rabbits are a very useful animal model for reproduction because <laughs> they do reproduce quite readily. Right. Okay. The stereotype is true. It is. It is. We were kind of surprised to find that out, but it's very true. <laughs> Rabbits is next, and then hopefully in about two and a half, three years, we will be ready to do a first clinical trial in men only. So best case scenario, let's imagine all your tests are positive, your treatment is working, it still sounds like it's a long way away before we're seeing it on the shelves. How long? Like 10 years or more? 
So I'm the attorney. Jochen is asking me to answer this because I'm the, the way more optimistic person. <laughs> I'd like to say six to eight years in, an, in a perfect world. But a lot of it depends upon yeah. the regulatory agencies. Right. I mean, in the U.S., the trials may take longer, but we're going to be pursuing regulatory approval all over the world. And some of the other countries may be quicker, which would be great. We'd love to have this in people all around the world as soon as possible. So now that you've kind of rekindled interest in this area, and as you mentioned before, you've been interviewed all over the world about this. So there, there is interest, keen interest, let me say, as a woman. Uh, do you think that this will galvanize other researchers and, and perhaps um, increase the funding for this area? So it's interesting. We joke. There's a nonprofit called Male Contraceptive Initiative that we joke that we are funded by, and we applaud their work. They've done great work. And essentially, what happened was after our paper came out, the interest in this uh, male contraceptive initiative tripled in days. Right. So they used to get one or two new people signing up every month, and they got. When our paper came out, they got 20 the next day. So, yes, I think there is new interest. And what I think is actually you might find really interesting is one of the other answers to where we go from here is that in theory, we don't have data for this, but the next place we're looking is that this on-demand approach should be available to women too, a non-hormonal on-demand approach. Our inhibitors stop sperm from swimming. So if a woman takes a pill and we show that the compound, the drug, gets into the right areas, if it gets into the fluids in her vagina, for example, that'll stop sperm in their track right right there. And if that's the case. Wow, that's we'll a, a superpower. That would be a female. That would be a female on demand pill. And so all of a sudden women wouldn't be having to take a birth control pill every morning for a decade or 15 mm. years while they don't want to be reproducing. It even could lead to a so-called partner pill, that both uh, partners take a pill and both of them essentially are protected. Right. And this could totally change social interactions. That was Professors Lonnie Levin and Jochen Bucken from Wills Cornet Graduate School of Medical Science. Um, still a long way away, Katrina. Six to eight years on the most positive read. But not that far away when you consider like all the research that you report on and then you just never hear about it again. I think there's a real momentum for for change in this area now. And I mean, would you take it if it was available and if there were no like serious side effects? Is that something you'd do? Yeah, potentially, for sure. I sense that there maybe has been a bit of a reluctance to really get a breakthrough here but really uh, I think in practical terms especially you know when people are having casual sex I think a lot of guys would like to have that extra peace of mind and, and control over contraceptive so I think there would be demand. As you said before there is uh, there's a leap of faith that you have to take as a guy especially if you don't know the woman um, a lot of women say oh I don't know that I trust men to take it but I think it would be quite a scary prospect for men to just take a woman at her word if they as you say it's a casual situation and they well, don't know her so this yeah. would provide more peace of mind. Of course you have to mention in the casual situation if the guy's really worried he can just wear a condom which is advisable for many reasons. <laughs> This is true. (laughs) Yes, we should point that out. 
listener.